Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, Scott? We're doing fantastic. we got lots of sun and good conversation, good eating over the weekend. And what's it like down there in Hilton Head this afternoon? Uh, it is sunny and hot. Yeah, and a new new definition of humid, right? Even even compared to Atlanta, probably more like Florida. So Hilton Head, what you're saying is Hilton Head's bringing the heat just like Greg White. Is that right? <laughs> Maybe more so, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, everybody, welcome to today's live stream. Today, we were set to continue our series, right? Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold with Gartner. But Mike couldn't make it here today which Greg, he's breaking his streak. I bet it's about 24 months in a row. He's like the Iron Man when it comes yeah. to his live streams. But hey, here's some good news, Greg. You ready for some good news? Yes. Mike is going to be joining. The one and only Mike Griswold is going to be joining Greg and Kelly Barner on Monday right. for the Supply Chain Buzz, where he's going to offer up his key takeaways. You're not going to get anywhere else on the Gartner Supply Chain Top 25. So join in Monday. I think that would be the, let's see here, third. June sixth. <laughs> okay. Be right back. I, I thought it was. I thought it was music as I was calculating math in my head to see if I would arrive at uh, June sixth. But tune in twelve noon Eastern time as Greg and Kelly Barner host the buzz with a special guest, uh, Mike Griswold. Okay. So Greg, that should be a really special. And I mean, I tell you, to get you and Kelly together and Mike, the buzz on Monday is going to be quite the show. I'm really interested in. Uh, I mean, what what Kelly brings as well, because, you know, she just did an incredibly well-researched article on the situation with baby formula. Yes. And I think she posted that on, on dial P, right? She did it on an episode of dial P and then she turned that into a blog post. So I would encourage everybody to, to take a look at that and understand the dynamic there. Agreed. Right? Which has been years in the making right? Which was a little bit surprising to me. Well, you know, two, two quick thoughts there, both coming from her research, almost around 90% of all baby food, I think fall or the formula production is like four companies. And then secondly, I didn't know, I think this is from the wall street journal, sunflower seed oil is one of the key ingredients in uh, formula. And yeah. you know, the Guess number where one that comes from, right? Well, the number one producer is Ukraine. Do you know the number two? Russia. Uh, I think it's Argentina, isn't it? <laughs> it's Russia. Oh, Russia. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. So it has been not only challenging in general, but then trying to find safe substitutes. So so you're right. Kelly Barner was uh, Johnny on the spot with great research that was very well consumed and resonated with the market. So y'all join, join us on Monday as Greg and Kelly take the wheel for the Supply Chain Buzz with special guest Mike Griswold. Okay. So, Greg, let's flip things on. We, we got some time, right? Yeah. So, I want to start with saying hello to some folks. We got some really special people in the oh, uh, folks audience. Up today. That's good. Yep. 
<laughs> and then we're going to share a couple of things we've got cooking. We want to make sure we keep front and center for folks. But of course, Catherine and the whole production team, Chantel and Amanda, Clay, you name it, behind the scenes helping to make it happen. So thank you for what, what all of y'all do. Saru via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Hey, let us know where you're tuned in from, if you would. Look at this guy, Greg. You recognize old James Malley? I do. And I like that weather report. And he somehow <laughs> slipped it in just before we got the report from Seattle from Josh, <laughs> right. right? Coast to coast, Brooklyn yeah. to Seattle. But of course, James Malley with the Packard team doing big things. They've recently announced some some fundraising, which is outstanding, James. But he yeah. says, uh, for our listeners out there, he says, good noon from hazy, not hot or cold, Brooklyn. Great to so see the you, way James. that Packard works, don't you imagine that James was like the best Tetris player ever, <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he still Never lost I a bet, round. I bet his local pizzeria, pizzeria where they still have those Tesla games from like 1986, I bet he's still in the top 20, 25 list on the machine. What do you <laughs> think? No doubt. <laughs> hey, y'all connect with James. He's doing some great things, and he'll be back with us on an upcoming yeah. live stream soon. Josh Goody. Always bringing the goods. Uh, Josh, great to see you here. He says, good morning from cloudy, yet not rainy Seattle. Hey. There we go. Stranger things can happen. Abaro via LinkedIn. Welcome in. Let us know where you're dialed in from. Look at this. Do you remember Patrick Kelly, the produce guy, the produce oh, show? Oh, yeah. How right. you doing, Patrick? Yeah. Great to see you. He had a show. The podcast. One? Podcast. Uh, the produce podcast. Oh, that's it. Okay. He's still Got cranking it, it out. I, I still yeah. track him all the time. So Patrick, great to have you here. Hey, give us. It's got to be the little... most expensive show on the planet now. <laughs> Did you Have you seen what's going on? Produce? Oh, I bet Patrick can fill us in. But hey, give us one factoid today on what's going on in the produce market that might surprise some folks, uh, Patrick. But great to have you here. George is tuned in via LinkedIn. Uh, it's a wonderful 65 degrees in Wisconsin. Wow. How about that, Greg? I'll be right up. Mark Cargo Margo. I love the content Cargo Margo is putting out there. She says she loves this news. Good morning from Los Angeles, California. Great to see you, Margo. Let's see here. Umar tuned in from LinkedIn. Uh, let us know where you're, you're watching us. We'd love to connect those dots there. And one final note here from James Tetris, not so much, but I can pack a car trunk for family road trips like a boss. No doubt. So for everyone who doesn't know what pack your does, they figure out, think about all the frustrations you have when you get like a e-commerce shipment or really any kind of shipment. And there's just all this wasted space in the box. Right. right? So that's what pack does is figure out the smallest practical box and the best practical way to, to fill it. It's genius. Necessary. Yeah, yeah, we we needed some. I mean, the corrugated. We're building corrugated mountains, and Packard is helping us knock those things down to what are they call old hills. hills. Yes, there we you. go. <laughs> thank you, Greg. It's it's funny when words escape you at the exactly wrong time. But yeah, mountains and the molehills. Uh, what the Packard team's doing, folks. Before we dive into some uh, the top twenty five, and then we're going to get really, a, I think, a really fascinating update in the supply chain tech space and the general economy from what Greg's been tracking. Um, I want to share a couple of things with all of y'all. We'd invite your uh, participation. Up first, the Leveraging Logistics for Ukraine uh, initiative, a Logistics with Purpose initiative that uh, is being led by our friends at Vector Global Logistics. Well, the mission continues. They've moved the weekly working meetings to every other week. 
And the next one is uh, Tuesday, June 7th at 11 a.m. And, you know, Greg, deeds, not words. And with this effort here, they've sent several containers already of targeted needs and targeted supplies to vetted folks in need in Ukraine, Poland, and elsewhere. So it's all about outcomes and results here, right, Greg? Mm -hmm. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's just part, you know, we talk about it a lot, but it is just part of what Vector does, thanks to Enrique's personal philosophy. It's really where we came up with the phrase, give forward, right? right. Because giving is, it's the first thing on their core values and on their business plan. That's right. So join in. If you've got resources to donate, wonderful. If you've got a conveyance that you can help, you know, get the resources where they need, need to be, great. Or if you want to join in and, and help support via kindred spirits and, and kind of connect the dots from a market intel standpoint, be more informed, that's that's just fine too. So Tuesday, June 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. You can go to vectorgl.com to learn more and to register for these working sessions. Uh, no charge there. Okay. Next up, June 14th, so a couple weeks away, Greg and I are going to be hosting this webinar. And look at this. Can AI be the unexpected ally for demand planners? Greg, I cannot wait for this conversation. We've had a conversation or two with Pete Buck, CEO and one of the co-founders of Jarvis. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a great conversation. Greg, you got your Diet Coke and popcorn ready? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, because, you know, demand planning and supply chain planning is a lot of where I come from. So um, I've seen some of the benefits and I think it's it's time time to talk about it for sure, if, if you're not already. That's right. So, and in general, kind of bigger picture, we got to love on these demand planners. They're critical to optimize. Somebody's got to. <laughs> right? So I true. Mean, they Seriously. get beat up too much, right? They do. Yeah. What the old saying is, you know, if you're out of stock, it's your fault. If you're in stock, it's your fault. Or if you're overstocked, it's your fault. And if something happens to go right, thank goodness to the sales team. <laughs> so true. Hey, y'all join us June 14th, 12 noon. The link to sign up is in the notes. Also, June 22nd. We are going to be joining forces with Coupa again, hosting an intriguing conversation, I think, with Laura and Madoff, focused on preparing for the rise of sovereign supply chains. I think this is going to be a very frank and intriguing discussion. Join us June 22nd at 12 noon Eastern time. Yeah, with those two involved, you know it's going to be frank and very informative. <laughs> and just the word sovereign makes it sound really impactful, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. it? Well, join us for those sessions. Looking forward to that. Um, hey, let's see here. Obaro had responded. Here he is. He's tuned in from Dublin. Dublin. And it's lovely weather in Dublin, Ireland. How about that, Greg? I think today is summer in Dublin, isn't it? Summer in Dublin. Which, much uh, like Wisconsin, lasts about two weeks. Yes. That should be a that should be the name of a beer or a drink. Summer in Dublin. I bet it's gorgeous over there, Obaro. T-Squared is with us. Looking forward to the supply chain management nourishment and that prize. Okay, so Amanda, Catherine, and Chantel, and I think Amanda is where his information was sent to. We got to hook him up for that prize because he knew where that bridge was that's escaping me right now on a live stream, probably a month or so ago. He could probably name it again. We don't have another prize for you, though. <laughs> we'll make sure it, it hits, heads your way. Uh, so, Amanda, raise your hand. And uh, let's get the people what they want. Okay. So, Greg, let's have a little bit of fun here. 
Yeah. First off, uh, Haley turned turn, uh, tuned in from Durban, South Africa. Wonderful, Haley. Great to have you here. Looking forward to your perspective. All right, so Greg, before we get into top twenty-five, and before we get into some economic and supply chain tech thoughts, you know that today is June first, twenty twenty-two. But more importantly, know that. it's Morgan Freeman's birthday. He oh, was man. born in Memphis, Tennessee, and but raised in Mississippi. So question for you and also question for all the our fine folks in the cheap seats. What's one of your favorite roles or two that the one and only, he's he's certainly a future Hall of Famer, wherever Hollywood Hall of Famers go, but he's what's your one of one or two favorite roles or movies that Morgan Freeman starred in? So this was really a supporting role. And it, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would ever expect this, but he was genius in a movie called Bruce Almighty, where he plays God. Right. And, and God a heavy gives assignment, a holiday, huh? so he puts Bruce in charge because Bruce is such a smart aleck. He thinks he can do the job. And <laughs> and he was just absolute genius in that. Just the, and, you know, also very much himself, just sort of that slow, quiet, calm brilliance and, you know, mentorship that you'd expect, right? What He's about so you? Good. So good. Well, there's a couple that stood out and they're they're from earlier in his career. And by the way, let's give a shout out to Michael Johnson who's tuned in from San Clemente, California. Michael, great for joining us. Well, T squared, you took mine, man. Yes, Principal Principal Joe yeah. Clark on and Lean on Me was one of my favorite movies that as was a kid. Brilliant. It really was, and I think it brought back, I think Lean on Me um, hit the charts again in the eighties. It did because, because of, that of that movie. movie. That's yep. right. So that's brilliant. And then of course, of course you can't have a Morgan Freeman conversation without talking about Ellis Boyd Redding, AKA red in the Shawshank redemption. Yeah. That is such that's that, that movie is going to age like fine wine and it's going to be around for a long, long time. There's so many, right? Yes. I mean, there are no movies where you would say he was terrible in it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Right? Or even average. Right. Even, you know, as I was walking through his his uh, career, so I could, you know, zero in on my favorites, um, even the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie, he was great in. Yeah. I can't remember his role there, but he, he he's just such a, he is as, consi- you know, look, we're talking about Morgan Freeman, and we started talking about Mike Griswold, both of them are as consistent as they come. They always bring it and you know what they're going to deliver. It's always going to be the goods. And I tell you, love Morgan Freeman. Okay. So Greg, I was trying to tie that. I was trying to do a better segue there. Segway. Yeah. yeah I, think it didn't. I think you can be forgiven. considering. <laughs> oh, right, another good is, one. This, this is unscripted and uh, ad hoc. That's oh. right. <laughs> Morgan Freeman was an unforgiven. Yes. And he was a he was a great character. Let's just go through the whole list, really. I mean, there are so many of those um of those copies. Forget Ty, I'm thinking of one. It's like a crime mystery show. Dang it. Anyway, <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> oh good. Hey, uh Dimitri is tuned in from forty thousand feet, flying over New Mexico to LA, uses Starlink. That's really cool. Dimitri. Great just to uh, have you tuned in. And hey, this is Amanda, I believe. He was in Seven with Brit, uh, Brad Pitt. That's the too. one. That's the one I was thinking of, Seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, All that's right. the creepiest movie. But. <laughs> well, you know what? 
happy birthday, Mr. Morgan Freeman. And thank you for being a part of our supply chain discussion. But hey, supply right. chain discussions got to be focused on supply chain. And Greg, even though Mike Griswold couldn't make it today, again, join him on the buzz on Monday with Greg and Kelly. We're going to be talking about the Gartner Supply Chain Top 25 for 2022, yeah. which was just released last week. And Greg, what I'd like to do, since we don't have Mike here to share his key insights, that'll, that'll come Monday. Let, yep. let me make sure everybody is aware. We're going to walk through the master's category and just the top 10. And then we'll get a couple of your general observations. And uh, I've got a couple of things I want to share as well. So I want to bring up this graphic here. So folks, this is the Gartner Global Supply Chain Top 25 for 2022. And you'll see it there up at the upper right. That is the, the master segment. And that's been around since 2015. It's meant to recognize those companies that have sustained supply chain excellence. So Gartner says, quote, Amazon, Apple, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, and Unilever continue to be shining examples of adaptability, resilience, and agility for the supply chain community, end quote. And then we get into the top 10. So for the third straight year, Cisco, which shouldn't surprise many folks, takes the number one spot. Right. It's followed, Greg, by Schneider Electric, Colgate Palmolive, Johnson & Johnson, and PepsiCo to round out the top five. And then we've got uh, the next five, Pfizer. And Greg, you'll know that Pfizer's chief global supply officer, Mike McDermott, was named one of our Deeds Not Words Leadership Award winners a few weeks ago. Well, Pfizer right. com comes in at number six, followed by Intel, Nestle, Lenovo, and Microsoft, which rounds out the top 10. Now, Greg, lots of strong companies here, probably plenty of stories. We could write books and books of just what's represented here. But Greg, what's a couple observations on your end? Well, I mean, I think what's particularly impressive is, is how you qualify to be what they call a master, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a master has to has a, have a top five composite score. So there's all kinds of factors that go into it for seven of the last 10 years. So those companies that are masters, they, ha they literally had to take them out and just express how superb their supply chains are to give other companies a chance, right? And, right. and this year it did give companies like Siemens, AstraZeneca and Microsoft, which, you know, I don't know if everybody thinks of Microsoft having a supply chain, but think Xbox, uh, which is probably one of the biggest items in their, in their supply chain. Bestseller for sure. Yep. Yep. And so, I, I mean, I think that, that what you have to think about here is that there's, there are things you can learn from every one of these companies. Some of them are enormous, all, virtually all of them are, are enormous. And some of them have incredible solutions, hundreds maybe of people managing their supply chains, right. but there are still things that you can do at your scale that you can learn from this. And I think that's what makes this thing so valuable. Agreed. Agreed. I want to share a couple of things here. Before I do, Oogie on fire, no perhaps? Kidding. That is a <laughs> truth right there. I hope I've got that right, uh, Oogie on Fire. But best narrator ever talking about Morgan Freeman and absolutely agree with you. Thanks for joining us here today. Let us know where you're tuned in from. And Aziz, hey, great event, Supply Chain Now. Thank you for that. And Aziz, let us know where you are tuned in from as well. Okay, well, going back to the Supply Chain Top 25, 
a couple, you know, sustainability, as Mike has shared with us previously, continues to become one of the top priorities in terms of their formula and just in general for industry out there. And Greg, speaking along those lines, Cisco, who we've been fortunate to interview a variety of folks there, including our friend Jack Allen, Greg. Mm-hmm. I uh, recall that. Whenever I think about Jack Allen, one of the things I think about is when he and Tony Sheroda were with us at King Plow that day. And it was, they were retarring the roof in our studio and they kept getting closer and closer as we were conducting a, uh, the podcast conversation. And we tried really quick to, to wrap up that conversation quick. Didn't do you remember that day? Uh, I do absolutely remember that. That was not the day you climbed up on the ladder. Same on the day. Roof. It Same was day. that day. I was pleading. We, we had a big production day that day. I think we had three or four episodes and I was pleading with those guys to do to to work on every other part of the roof except ours, and it, I was not successful. But hey, speaking of Cisco, uh, study after study, after third party after third party, have named Cisco one of the world's most admired companies. Greg, I didn't know this, uh, but a big part of the Cisco business model is its channel strategy, right? In fact, its channel partners produce some ninety plus percent of company revenue. Really important part. Yeah. Well, Cisco, part of their methodology and kind of their leadership approach is engaging those channel partners in efforts to drive sustainable gains, right? So if as their suppliers or customers, you name it, channel partners have ideas to drive really measurable sustainability gains, they share it and then they leverage it as an ecosystem. So talk about a major force multiplier. And I think for me, that's a big key takeaway. I'm not, I can't remember who we were talking with a week or two ago about inside the four walls. There might be some folks that, that don't exactly follow along what that means, right? But man, I think the best supply chains are those that really get outside of those four walls looking for ideas that will bring more value for their customers or better gains for their, their supply chain ecosystem. You name it, Cisco is certainly one of the examples. Your quick reaction, and I've got one other quick tidbit. Yeah, Shiphawk, I think, is the company you were thinking about about for inside the four walls of the warehouse because they had just acquired, I forget the name of the company, but Ron Riggin, who was the CEO of that company, is now in charge of their warehouse management portion of their fulfillment solution. So I I just think that, you know, you, you have to recognize that there there are so many angles to attack this from and you really have to be thinking about the complex dynamics in fact that's i mean that's the thing that's got me really i'm really focused on lately and today especially because we're you know the things that are changing in the marketplace which we're going to talk about is how companies view growth versus profit versus you know versus uh sustainability and and other aspects of the business like risk management so Mm. Excellent point. And I'm glad you brought it. It was Ron with Shiphawk. We were talking about this with great webinar last week. With I always want to say Rob Riggle, who <laughs> funny guy, also right? a Chiefs fan, but also a Ron Marine Riggle. veteran. I don't know if you know, yeah. Rob was a Marine, is a Marine. Yeah. Funniest Y'all Marine check ever, out. apparently. <laughs> Amanda and the team, I don't know if we can drop a link to that webinar so folks can check out that conversation, but that was, a, a, I thought, a very practical way of benchmarking warehousing operations. So if you can drop that, uh, that'd be wonderful. Otherwise, check out what Shiphawk is doing. One other quick tidbit about the top 25 before we adjust. You see that Colgate Palmolive, Greg, comes in at number three. 
And they also they always seem to be on this list. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those in that top 25 end up making for a bigger master's category eventually. Um, Cisco clearly is working on it. But Colgate yep. Palmolive, here's a did you know, Gregory. Let's see if you knew this. You know that buildings, you know, sites, factories, the buildings themselves produce about 40% of the world's CO2 emissions. Did you know that? I did not know that. Makes sense. 40%. Some yeah. folks may think it should be a little higher, but anyway, that's that's an estimation. Industry leaders like Colgate Palmolive are taking real action there. In fact, the company runs 25 certified true zero waste facilities in 15 countries on five continents. So really aiming to attack that uh, that carbon footprint that buildings and sites um, generate. So, And that's more than any other company in the world running that many true zero waste facilities. So I, I appreciate their leadership there. Okay. So Greg, your final thought, we're going to recognize a few comments here. Your final thought on the supply chain top 25, other than join you and Kelly and Michael Monday. Well, first of all, uh, Microsoft, Microsoft did not sneak into the top 25. They came crashing in <laughs> from out of the top 25 into right. spot 16, right? Which is a, an enormous, uh, no, it's higher than that 10, right? That's yes. an enormous leap. And, uh, and I think that, you know, we, we applauded this last year, and that is that Gartner has elevated uh, ESG to be equivalent with all of the other points of mastery in the top 25. And I really think, um, and in fact, Scott, before you and I met this week, I had a, another meeting with a group who's helping me with some unfinished business in the supply chain. You and I talked about, we'll talk, tell the group about that a little more later, but, but you know, the, the elevation of ESG, not as a standalone issue, right. But as part of the core issues of supply chain is critical. I mean, the way that I mentioned it before was you have to consider profit growth and ESG, right. And, uh, and all of the other things, reliability, all those other things that you want to manage risk in, in the supply chain. And so I think it being elevated to being one of the core components of supply chain is critical. First of all, it was a leap when Gartner came out with this, that anybody cared about anything besides cost saving, which mm. is the old singular metric of supply chain. You right. guys in those sweaty shirts, get that there faster and cheaper. Right. I mean, when when this was a brute force industry, but now it's right. much more, although there is still a huge brute force element to it. There is a lot more intellectual and scientific and now environmental uh, concern in in terms of how we manage risk and cost as one of those risks. And of course, reliability is, as in my opinion, the biggest risk. Excellent point there. Excellent point. And we're creeping closer to uh, picking your brain a little bit further. I want to say hello to Jose Montoya. Great to see you here, Jose. Coffee Break, the fearless leader of Coffee Break Logistics and Supply Chain. I'll check that out. I think it's June, so we should be finding out whether he's having a marine inversion right now because <laughs> it's June in San Diego, mm. right? I'm not sure that not sure that the marine inversions adhere precisely to the calendar, but <laughs> pretty close. They used to be pretty close. Jose, you have to give us a weather update yeah. for sure. And uh, congrats on your continued growth. All right. So, Greg, kind of shifting gears from the supply chain top 25 to, uh, you know, what's kind of what's going on supply chain tech and that burgeoning industry, at least it has been for years, and the overall economy. So, I'd love to kind of get your expert eyes and 
and insights on what we're seeing here? Yeah, well, particularly in tech, you know, what I've heard and seen and read over the last several weeks is, I don't know if you remember, Scott, there's a, a group called Sequoia Capital. In 2008, they wrote RIP Good Times, meaning the boom days of of venture capital and you know the ability to the ability to just kind of run a run a company without any sort of inter, interference from from the economy those days are over well they came back obviously and and for about 13 years we've had we've had similarly uh, this kind of boom time for technology particularly for supply chain technologies and, and other fintech and other technologies where it's growth at any cost right? Grow, grow, grow. Literally, I've had conversations where investors said to me, and I subsequently said to companies we're investing in, you don't need to make money right now, right? Technology doesn't have to be profitable. It has to grow fast and you have to capture market share. And that was basically the number one, you know, the number one charge, honestly, up until probably first quarter of this year. And then all that changed virtually overnight. Now, as we've seen, if you follow the stock market at all, you've seen the NASDAQ and, and as people love to call it, somebody said they ought to change the name to tech heavy NASDAQ. <laughs> the NASDAQ and a lot of the techs, including some really quality companies like Apple, like Amazon, like Microsoft and others who are just getting crushed from a valuation standpoint, because even they had the same expectation grow free cash flow and other metrics were more important than profit. And much like in 2001 and in 2008, you know, the market has changed their tune and they're tiring of growth for growth's sake, growth at any cost. And in some cases that cost is substantial. Right. And even companies like Amazon are going to, are having to show profitability lest they be hammered down in valuation. Well, I've seen the same thing start to trickle down first into what's called growth capital. So those are companies no longer called startups, though, you know, compared to public companies, I guess they are, who have found product market fit, have good momentum and sales in their marketplace. And the capital that they need is an accelerant to allow them to grow bigger and faster. So in the growth capital markets, valuations have pulled back and the amount of money available has pulled back substantially. The famous SoftBank, who basically invested in in you if you had a pulse and could fog a mirror, now (laughs) has announced that they've lost $27.7 billion in the fund that they have been doing that with and that they are uh, retooling, rethinking their criterion. So, you know, if you could write the same article, RIP good times, now would be about the time to write it. And in fact, Sequoia has issued yet another uh, edict to the the companies in their investment pool. And I'll give you a quote here. Don't expect a swift V-shaped recovery, I mean, rapid down and rapid back up in terms of market valuation and and economics, like we saw at the outset of the pandemic. Hmm. Don't view cuts, meaning cuts in cost and and layoffs, which we'll talk about here in a second, which are rampant in the industry, in the tech industry, which almost seems impossible, doesn't it? In, sure. In the employment age that we're talking about. 
but don't see them as negative, but as a way to conserve cash and run faster. So conserving cash is now in the vernacular of founders who have up till now been able to literally burn away millions and millions of dollars of cash just in the name of growth. Now, even relatively high risk investors like VCs are expecting a, at least a path to profitability, if not wow. actual profitability. So, so uh, it's a big change and mm. really, really fast. And it will unquestionably challenge some of the serial entrepreneurs who have been able to build their companies just fast and, and burning capital to get to, you know, to get to an exit event like an IPO or an acquisition by a strategic acquirer. So you're speaking of inversions earlier, quite the inversion. That's a great, um, that is a great analogy. It is, it is, a, well, it is a massive inversion and that really quick. I mean, think about, you know, companies we know of who have just recently raised. Um, and I mean, I've talked to some founders who have said, I'm so thankful that right. we raised when we did. So, um, I, you know, I think it, it is that dramatic. It really is that dramatic. Well, it is unbelievably rapid, but at, when the market does what it's done for the first five months of this year and and when when capital becomes more expensive, companies, it costs companies more to borrow money to to invest in other companies. And the people who invest in these funds expect greater returns because now they can get a bond. Right. That gives them a relatively good return. So you have to really up your game and the way to up your game is now suddenly profit. Mm, profit, profit, profit. And as James points out, who would have thought that companies with good fundamentals, let me scratch my my chin as I say this, with good fundamentals would better weather tough economic conditions. Hmm. Right. Excellent, excellent point. This James. is where the term cash is king comes from. Because, mm. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify this every time I say it. I am not an economist, but economists have also been wrong 100% of the time in forecasting recessions and inflation as we've experienced over the last year and a half. Right. So they're, they're not any worse than I am. Let's right. put that. <laughs> we, a, a, a recession is now inevitable. The economy is pulling back in a lot of places, all over the world, frankly, in a lot of places. And companies that have that ability, as James talks about, to weather tough conditions and that have cash, which is why Sequoia is encouraging people to cut expenses. They will be able to weather these kind of conditions, you know, much, much better. And, you know, if you if you look into some of the analysis of this done by Sequoia, which is one of the premier investors in in private companies in the entire world, they're saying not only don't expect a V-shaped recovery, don't expect it to be a short lived downturn either. So they don't give any brilliantly. They don't give any timeframes, but they said the safe, safe move is to plan for the worst. Mm. Now, we know that when you talk about inversions, Scott, right? from shoot for the moon to plan for the worst. Think about what a dynamic, what kind of dynamic that creates in a company that has a culture of literally, you know, spending like drunken sailors to do anything to grow the company. It, it's right. a dramatic shift and it's going to be tough. It's a lot more fun to shoot for the moon, number one. And number two, hey, you man. mentioned forecast earlier that always reminds me of that old 
so I'll call it a global supply chain dad's joke is, you know, what's what's the, <laughs> what's the difference between Bigfoot and a good, accurate forecast is right. that at least Bigfoot has been spotted at, at some point right. in recent right. years. So, but hey, kidding aside, I appreciate your take there. It is remarkable to, to see just how fast and how far things have changed uh, in this um, in this economic backdrop. Um, Jose, we, we can't get enough weather updates around here, right? Right. 69 degrees, high of 77, low of 58 Fahrenheit, and Jose calls it paradise. Of course. I'm with you, Jose. San Diego, meteorologist in San Diego has to be the easiest job on the planet. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Musa, I appreciate that. This is really educative and enlightening. I appreciate your feedback. I'd love to know what you're thinking there and where you're tuned in from. So thanks for joining us here today. Okay. Can, can I, let me let me add on to that really quick. Because as an idiot who started two different, not one, but two different companies during a recession or right on the edge of a recession, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And what mm. doesn't kill you is focusing on growth in a in a profitable or at least a cash flow neutral way. You don't have to make money, but you can't just burn it away. You have to create cash flow in your business. So I did it. I'm not that good. I'm certainly not as good as some of these founders who've gotten 150 or $200 million in investment with companies that are worth 9 billion bucks. So it can be done. The key is you just have to keep your eye on the prize and the prize is cash flow. And then second is cash flow. Third, Scott, can you guess what's third? Cash flow. Very good. You, yes. <laughs> Quick learner. <I'm> listening. <laughs> like it's this, true. you can't help but to listen, Greg. But what it's going to do is it's going to impact companies and their employment picture. Scott Peloton, we were just talking about Peloton and I you sent me a note and said, I cannot believe this. Talk about an inversion. Mm. This company went from here to, I can't even show you how far down. <laughs> in in this year alone, they've laid, laid off. I, I, I don't want to misquote the percentage, so I'll tell you the amount. 2,800 people. Wow. So their stock has taken a huge hit and it's a big, big portion of their employment. So, well, and, and I mean, that's, that's only one company. There are companies we've all heard of our buddies at hop in have laid off 12% of their staff. So, wow. um, yeah. So we need to get clay on whoever is our customer support person right now. Make sure he makes new friends. Uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, I mean, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix has laid off. Carvana. Yeah, that's right. Carvana has laid off 2,500 people and uh, wow. um, Robin hood, which, I fear with their, I'll put it politely, misstep during the whole meme stock thing, they've lost the trust of a significant portion of their customer base, and it, that, you know, it, it could be really bad for for them. Other right. companies, Thrasio, which is a huge, they're a huge acquirer of Amazon storefronts, right? They they didn't give exact numbers, but they've laid off significant enough that they that it was reported. Right. So. Speaking of Amazon, I saw over the weekend and maybe Jose or one of our other West coast friends can share. They just opened up their first brick and mortar clothing store. I want to say it's Amazon threads or, or something like that, but it's amazing to see their model continue to evolve and evolve and evolve. Uh, and, and to well, see the execution that the team, 
the new types of execution that their team embraces. What were you going to say, Greg? Well, I was going to say what really gets the the news, what gets the print at Amazon is the retail aspects of the business. Did you know where they make 100% of their profits? Where? AWS, Amazon. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. The data side of the business. Yep. That saves the rest of the business, which the retail side keeps them in the press. AWS keeps them in the green. So (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, we're going to shift gears. I appreciate you bringing your, you backing up your truckload of economic and supply chain tech uh, insights and expertise and, and uh, letting us all hopefully be smarter individuals this afternoon. That's always good, uh, Greg. I always leave these sessions enlightened with what you share. I want to share a couple of speaking this year. I want to share this uh, comment from Josh. Josh says, being part of the biotech area in, in Seattle, seeing the cash flow issues and the change in investing and evaluation that was just discussed is a huge wake-up call for any company that was planning on or hoping for or dreaming for things going back to way to the way they were pre-COVID. Because guess what, Greg? As we've talked, as we both know, it ain't gonna happen. It's kind of like it's no. like a Dana Carvey playing President George H. W. Bush. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. You could probably do it better. Be prudent. <laughs> Wouldn't be prudent. Not gonna happen. Man, Dana Carvey, what a what a comic genius. But Josh, think- excellent point. Great. Yeah, and I think what we're going to see, I think the good news is for those of us who are in supply chain, is that this isn't going to be a unique situation for technology. Technology is going to play a big part in it. And by the way, even though technology continues to lag and, and investment continues to slow, supply chain has seen relatively strong investment because people now recognize, thanks to Scott Luton, gang, people now recognize... <laughs> that supply chain matters and companies too, retail and distribution and manufacturing companies understand that in order to grow with profit and to reduce risk that they have to, they have to tackle their supply chain issues in an efficient scientific and intellectual manner to be able to do that. So supply chain will continue to play a big part, not to say we won't see some downside from, from all this, but, supply chain will continue to play a significant part in keeping companies alive and helping them thrive during, you know, coming tough times. I appreciate that, Greg, going back to what you shared, you know, I was being interviewed yesterday with one of my new best friends, uh, Adam Vasquez, who has a great podcast called content is for closers. And I was able (laughs) to love that, right? That's a great Um, movie. (laughs) It is a good movie too, but we were able to kind of set with the exception of um, a little bit of supply chain. I was able to really focus in on, on digital content creation and, you know, building a, a digital media platform business because it's just so fascinating these last few years. But we were both talking about how thankfully the digital media around global supply chain has really grown. So to your point, more folks, more consumers, the news, the traditional media, more business leaders that aren't privy to supply chain, what goes on in supply chain, all those folks, the whole world knows the unrecognized heroes and what they do every day, day in and day out to make business happen, to give consumers what they want. It is remarkable. And of course, that was that was part of the genesis of where supply mm-hmm. chain now even came from, is, is having been in manufacturing, worked in manufacturing, meeting all these wonderful people, salts of the earth that really are the most brilliant minds out there. Yet 
outside of their four walls, let's call it, yeah. their efforts go really, from an individual standpoint, unrecognized and even, unfor unfortunately, unknown. And that's the best part of this journey here because we are shouting, preaching, screaming from the mountaintops yep. about what these companies and individuals do to make things happen. And yeah, also I agree. You know, it's funny as you say that, I, I, I think about a company that I worked with ages ago golly, really ages ago. I mean, literally was working there on 9-11, mm. a company called Henry Shine, which um, at the time did medical, veterinary, and dental distribution, dental product distribution. Now it's just dental and, and what they call animal health, veterinary. And I think about how that company transformed from a completely sales-driven organization to even sales modeling the thought and the diligence and the intellect that they put mm -hmm. into their supply chain and that driving back into every aspect of their business. I, I think that was an incredible leadership initiative by Stan Bergman, their CEO, and Paul Rose, who is now their chief supply chain officer. They didn't have such a thing when he started there, of course, but quickly they saw that he was such a key member of their of their executive team that he may have been one of the first, if not the first chief supply chain officers was really inspiring to watch <clears throat> supply chain, which was considered kind of a back office right. afterthought, become not just important, not just with a seat at the table, but the leading seat at the table, mm -hmm. even to the extent that sa the sales team adopted a lot of the principles of how they ran their business, how they viewed risk, how they viewed growth, how they viewed profitability and all of those sorts of things. It was you know, it's, it is a testament to the leadership of that company, but first of all, a testament to the potential of supply chain to influence a business for the greater good. Excellent point. And who knows, we may just be interviewing mem uh, uh, members of the high management of Henry Shine. Uh, T-Squared says supply chain management isn't just anybody's business. It's everybody's business. That's right. Whether they're aware of it or not. Uh, it is business, frankly. I mean, look, you can make all the promises in the world that you want through your branding, through your marketing, and through your sales team. But if you cannot do one thing, none of that matters. And that That's one right. thing is deliver, right? You have to deliver. Like Supply Mike Griswold. delivers more than just goods. It delivers the promise of your company, your brand esteem, your marketing and sales efforts and initiatives and promises. You got to deliver like Mike Griswold and Morgan Freeman time and time again and right. develop a reputation for that execution excellence. Okay. So Greg, that brings us as we're kind of coming down the home stretch. I want to share a couple other quick things with folks, you know, since Mike couldn't join us today, I know one of the things we were going to touch on is the Gartner supply chain symposium is coming up next week. And I'm going to be down there with one of my, I'll tell you, I've a brilliant mind who's been with us here today, Mark Holmes with Inner Systems, uh, join us for a webinar and, and a supply chain buzz episode a month or two back. We're going to be talking about how to connect data for visibility and the actionable, the, the key word here being the actionable insights, actionable insights, because insights alone are not, mm -hmm. plain old insights alone aren't good enough these days. So if you're down there, I think the session is full. And, you know, they keep the roundtables kind of smaller so you can really have a, a good, healthy discussion. But June 6, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And if you're down there, would love to shake hands and grab a cup of coffee with you. But stay tuned for that episode or, or that uh, discussion 
And then Greg, NRF, has got a new event around coming up just around the corner, yeah. June 20th through the 21st in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland Rocks, the NRF Supply Chain 360 event. This is going to be a cool event, right? It is, and I predict this will become one of their biggest events over time. You know, again, to all that uh, preaching that I just did, uh, <laughs> I think more and more companies recognize this as a core part of their business, as their business. It's something more than just a support mechanism within their business. And this is the first of this type of of initiative with them, but it won't be the last. I guarantee you. NRF puts on a great, great events. Um, this one has already got a, a, a great lineup of speakers and events and That's discussions right. scheduled. So, agreed. Worth it. worth it every step. And I want to say I could be wrong. I want to say James Malley. It might be speaking there. Remember the Packard team. I know our friend Kathy Moore Robertson is going to be speaking there about reverse logistics. Uh, Hal mm -hmm. Lawton, the CEO of Tractor Supply Company, is uh, one of the keynotes. And hey, by the way, there's another model supply chain. Agreed. Agreed. And even better is I love the meaningful work that Tractor Supply does for our veteran community, right? Giving them j real good jobs, not under, mm -hmm. you know, not, not under quality. What's the word? What am I trying to say here, Greg? One of the challenges say, and I can't come up with it either. either. <laughs> well, you know, Greg, one of the challenges we have, we've come so far in the last 20 years and for our veterans, but one of the challenges that we still hear about regularly is under hiring that goes on in the veteran community. You know, folks come out with 10 or 20 or even more years of experience where supply chain is, you know, it's a big thing that the military does, especially logistics. And, you know, they're not met where they are. They're met where yeah. they might have been years ago. So, uh, well, I, love I mean, it's hard. It's a hard in a lot of cases. We we talk to a lot of vets, Scott, and it's hard even in their case to translate what they've done right. into a traditional whatever you want to call it uh, from from a, a private a private company or right. you know, not a non public type non military type application. And it's hard for them. And right. I think companies have to take a more active role in understanding how to translate those skills lean into in the marketplace. We talked about how, you know, your transition over mm. time. And it, I mean, it, it's kind of second nature to you, but, but what you did in, you know, in coming out of the military and then, and then the first job you have and how you kind of evolved your career, it was, it was pretty impressive to, mm. to understand how you made you know, you kind of made that transition for yourself. Mm. Well, Kind words. I appreciate that. But you're you're dead on. You know, it's difficult. When I came out of the Air Force, no one said, hey, this is what you did. And this is how you need to talk how about it. Applies. Right. Okay. In the private sector. That conversation was never had. Now, ultimately, it's my responsibility. But that's where we as a society, we as hiring managers to make it easier for our vets that deserve it. We got to lean in and help unpackage what they've done and help with them and with their help figure out where they pose value in industry and organization. So we got a lot more work to do there. Well, um, and that's big, not philanthropy, Scott. I mean, that's all to the good of the companies. That's that right. Find, you're, you're always trying to find the, the gifts of who you bring into your organization. Excellent point. And Excellent you know, point. It's, it's merely just another way of looking for and translating those gifts from how they were applied in their previous career, whatever it is. In this case, it happens to be the military and how they can be applied at your company. 
That's right. And that's such a great point because it's not charity. It's not philanthropy. These folks that are coming out, and I want to say there's 250,000 veterans that exit the service, separate the services each year. Tremendous talent, a huge untapped pipeline for so many companies. So it's not, you're right. It's not charity. Disciplined, which we could use. (laughs) That's right. Cash is king. (laughs) Hey, look at here. Leah Luton, a.k.a. Mom is with us here today. She says, thanks, guys. I don't always understand much about supply chain, although I disagree with her there because she does. She's not giving herself enough credit. But I always enjoy listening. and I usually catch a nugget or two and also learn to appreciate so many people and companies involved in supply chain. Love you, Mom, and great to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. That's That's really encouraging, man. It is. People's moms show up at work and give them (laughs) encouragement. It's pretty good. It should happen more often. It should certainly happen more often. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Next episode. Hey, bring your mom to work, right? (laughs) Bring your mom to work. And T-squared, thank you for for, uh, sharing this. I didn't mean underqualified candidates. I meant the under underutilized gifts. Yeah. Right. right. Basically, you know, we did a, you know, Veteran Voices, a series we've been investing in for a long time, led by the incredible Mary Kate Saliva. But earlier, before she hosted that series, uh, time and time again, I'd have conversations with folks that came out doing so many great things in the military, you know, managing millions of dollars of, of assets, managing teams and teams of incredible people. And then they get out and they get, you know, $10 an hour offers for not nearly that level of responsibility and skill. So that's what I meant. Uh, not under underqualified candidates, really underqualified opportunities for these incredible uh, men and women that have done so be- so many big things. So thank you for sharing that and let me clarify, because the last, last thing I want to do is send the wrong message. Hey, Josh says, Greg White, news for Greg, congrats on the fourth place. Thanks for not giving me crap on the fifth place. That must be a oh, football thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And neither one of us deserve, we don't deserve crap. Nor do we, nor do we deserve congratulations. (laughs) We're not relegated, Josh. So the good news is the, uh, the rivalry, uh, the, the North London Derby. Yes. Yes. Well, Josh, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to have a, uh, a soccer or football as it's called properly everywhere, but here in the States, maybe we'll have to have a, a, a football episode. Uh, in fact, Reminds me for the millionth time we're overdue for our supply chain nerds talk sports series. So we'll get that lined up. Okay. So Greg, we have come a long way in this conversation. Uh, We look forward to to catching you and Kelly uh, on the buzz on Monday, 12 noon, where Mike Griswold will be joining you. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned that enough. We'll give folks the opportunity not to take away from you and Kelly Barner's brilliance. But it is Mike Griswold. I mean, really. (laughs) Gardner. So... What is, you know, if you had that, we, we covered so many different events and resources and uh, observations from, you know, from the economy to supply chain tech to the supply chain top 25. What's one thing you'd like to leave our folks with here today? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's probably somewhat a reiteration of what I said before. And that is that, you know, uh, the recognition that supply chain is important is what got us through the pandemic. The recognition and execution that companies have, uh, execution capability that companies have cultivated over the course of the last two and a half years is what will help them get through whatever depth and length of economic struggles we have. 
you know, and it, I think that that's something that everybody who's in supply chain or touches supply chain should be aware of and be proud of and, and frankly, leverage to the good of your company, right? You don't have to be proud about it. You just, you can just do it. Right. And I, I think it's important for that companies have recognized this and very, very timely that they've recognized this before a coming time of, of economic difficulty because cash profit, right. And growth all have to occur with a minimum of risk. So, mm. you know, as I've said often before, this is not a cost saving exercise, the craft of supply chain. It the is craft. a risk balancing exercise and cost is just one of those risks. You Love still it. have to deliver. <laughs> hey, I am hearing from, oh, Vicky. I thought she was uh, shooting me a note about uh, soccer, but she was actually telling me about uh, her tennis team won their division and then won the city championship and they're off to state championships. How about that, Greg? Uh, yeah, that's gonna... right. She leaves tomorrow to go to a very, very hot town, uh, <laughs> Bainbridge or something like that. Well, you know, I've yet to see and sort of take us off path. I thought she was uh, commenting on our soccer discussion a second ago. But who knows? Maybe I will finally be able to see your gold championship from your tennis, your your gold plate from your tennis championship, Greg. You're a legend amongst the sport, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, not um, even in my own mind am I a legend. <laughs> more on Greg's tennis exploits on a future episode. But folks, hey, I need to get uh, back into those exploits, though. You're yes, right. Yes, good good exercise. Thanks to everybody for showing up today. Thanks for commenting and bringing your, your thoughts. Um, I know we didn't have the show that we promised, but that you know, we'll make up for it and better, even better yet. Mike will be back with us uh, next month. He usually appears with us the first Wednesday of every month. So stay tuned for that. In fact, to make it fun, maybe we'll do a ask Mike Griswold anything next uh, in, in July. So stay tuned for that. Wow. Hey, on behalf of Greg White, our entire production team, you know, the whole Supply Chain Now family, uh, wishing all of y'all out there, wherever you are, uh, this afternoon, this evening, this morning, you name it, all the best. But most importantly, folks, want to challenge it. Hey, to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.